Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is KJ, and today I am joined by my dear husband. We're going to be talking a little bit about romantic relationships. Maybe there will be some things in here that can help you strengthen yours, or if you are single and looking to be in a romantic relationship, I think some things will hopefully help you in here as well. And stay tuned until the end because I have a little surprise at the end, incentive for making it through to the end. So just hang out with us for a while. So stay until the end now. I hope. So Gordon agreed to join me to do this because, well, if you've been listening to our past episodes, you know that Jessica has been in the hospital, and by the time this podcast episode is released, she will have given birth to two children, which is so exciting. But because of that, you know, we'll give her a little maternity leave, get some other episodes out, give her some time off. So you get us, which is a true delight. So welcome, Gordon, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I'm actually a two-time podcaster with Thoughts on Thoughts. So I feel like I'm bringing some veteran experience. Oh, trying to get some more downloads for your other episode, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and take a look if you haven't. I forget what it's called, but... Um, all the husbands were on for one, and I think it was a real banger, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yep, really topped the charts with that one. It was fun. Um, <laughs> so, to get to know us a little bit, um, by the time this episode is released, we will have been married for four years. So, real veterans in the marriage department. Um And we'll have known each other for five years, which is just really cute. So, um, yeah, we met and dated and got married within a year. And then Gordon deployed after we got married for a while. He's in the National Guard. And then two and a half years into our marriage, we had a child named Walker He's 18 months old, and we're pretty obsessed with being his parents. Neither of us had any idea we would love being parents as much as we do. So he's great. We're going to jump into some questions that you guys submitted for us about romantic relationships. So first question we got is, what do you do if one of you is an introvert and one is an extrovert? 
I have actually had people in therapy for this specific issue. It's hard. So just a little bit about Gordon and I, um, we have very similar personalities, very similar demeanors, um, very different interests and a lot of shared interests too. But I would say as far as like being introverted and extroverted, we're pretty similar in that. So I don't think it's something we've really struggled with in our marriage, but, um, I do have some ideas from like a therapist perspective as to how to work on that. But do you have any ideas? Uh, like you said, I think we're both pretty introverted extroverts. Um, we both like, uh, being around people and, uh, we're both good, like going to parties or going, being around groups of people in, in that way, except we both get our energy from being alone and we both have hobbies and pastimes that we like doing on our own. Uh, and, and there's been times where I think one of us wants to be more extroverted than the other one. And I think something that's helped is having a little bit of planning. If I know beforehand that there's something that you want to do and it's important to you, then I will like put that on my, my calendar or whatever, and make sure that we go do it. And it's not really hard for me. I think that sometimes, uh, if there's, if I don't know anything about it and then like spontaneously, uh, something comes up and you're like, Hey, let's go do it. A lot of times that'll be great. And sometimes I'll be like, man, I'm just not really mood to do that tonight. Mm -hmm. And that's where it can come into it and things do come up. And so you still need to work with each other and, and, uh, be willing to kind of make those sacrifices and do things for each other. But I do think planning has been something that has really helped uh, in our relationship, at least. Totally. Yeah, I I had a client who was struggling with this where she was the extrovert um, and her husband was an introvert and she knew that like as they were dating, um, but they definitely did more things um, when they were dating as far as, I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like you're getting to know each other, getting to know each other's friends, families. But I think for a lot of people, this may have kind of come to light during COVID where kind of everyone was forced to be an introvert. And I think maybe a lot of people realized they like it or just kind of fell into that pattern as like, this is the way we do things now. And I've kind of noticed that people are, some people are struggling with kind of getting back into doing things and going out. And so that's been hard for extroverts, especially if you are married to an introvert. So I think what it comes down to is what Gordon was talking about with that communication. Like, let if you're the extrovert, letting your spouse know that there's something that is really important to you that you want them to come with you to. And you can say why it's important to you. And hopefully they can kind of either compromise with you or, you know, just fully agree to do that thing with you. If it's a kind of a recurrent problem in your relationship, then I think it's fine to, you know, talk about it as much as you need to in order to kind of reach an agreement and kind of a 
way of doing things in your marriage that will help you navigate that because it is hard. And I think part of it comes down to like reality acceptance, like, okay, my spouse really isn't comfortable with doing these things. And so can I do these things with a friend or another family member? Or how can I like get this part of who I am as a person fulfilled? Because I'm sure there are a lot of other things that your spouse really compliments for you. But this may be an area where you kind of have to continue being the extroverted one, going to things by yourself or reaching out to people outside of just your spouse to do things with. Okay, our next question. How have things changed since having kids? How do you not get frustrated at those changes? This is a good one to come in right after the extrovert introvert question because we've become significantly more introverted (laughs) since having a kid. Mm -hmm. And part of it's because we had a kid like a month before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so not only were we kind of homebodies because we had a newborn, but there was also a global pandemic that happened. Mm -hmm. So um, we were naturally just more introverted and I came to like it, honestly. Yeah, so for me, uh, the biggest change probably is becoming more introverted and also just having loss of uh, freedom. And it sounds self, it feels selfish to even say like a loss of freedom because um, having a kid is so great. It's like the greatest thing that's ever happened. But sometimes we need to sacrifice like good things for better things. And that's just uh, the way it works. And you'll still miss those things. So that's been a tough adjustment, uh, just the fact that um, if something comes up, I can't just necessarily leave for a weekend with friends or uh, cool plans come up on a weeknight. I can't just go do whatever I want because uh, we've really had to learn how to schedule our lives so that we can both continue doing our work um, and our hobbies and make sure that um, we're giving Walker all the time and attention that he needs. And so I was not a planner, but uh, you've seen me now. I've got my planner writing in it every day because I can't just go from thing to thing anymore. Just kind of whatever I want to do. Things need to be written out. We need to go through our weeks together at the beginning of every week, uh, day by day so that I know, um, when I'm with him and when I can fit in the other things I'm doing. And like I said, it's been the greatest transition ever. And so I don't want it to, to sound like losing freedom, like it's been a bad thing, except it's just been like a change being, you know, going through the past 15 years or so, being able to just do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And uh, then realizing you're going to need to be home more. You're going to need to uh, plan and schedule together. And I think we work together more as a team now than we ever did in the past. In the past, I think we were both very independent, which came with uh, both of us being older when we got married and me being in the military and leaving quite a bit. We both would kind of live our own lives and do our own things, but we were still like very happy when we were together, finding hobbies and things to do together. But we kind of existed separately at times 
And now we really need to work together as a team. We need to schedule, we need to plan and uh, kind of like tag team life much more than we did in the past. Yeah, like a good example would be ski season when we didn't have kids. We had season passes and we'd go whenever we wanted. And then ski season with a kid, I think we went one time and it was kind of a short day because we were only there for as long as Walker had the stamina to be there. And I think it's for me like... I have to let go of expectations for things and can't compare my present to how things were in the past. So like travel now really is like just parenting in a different location. Like you can never really turn off parent mode. And I think that's been a big adjustment of like my day revolves around Walker's sleep and eating and helping him like be happy, right? Like it really is. And then it's like um, finding time for us, like when we can connect and be together. And then when I can just connect to myself. And so I'd say like right now, the time I have to connect with myself is probably like the smallest amount of the pie and that's okay because I think we've established communication where if I'm like, Hey, I just really need some alone time. Then we do it like, Hey, can you take Walker? Yeah, I'll take him for a walk, you know, however that looks. Um, but it is like another big change has just been, I think, seeing each other step into the role of a parent and like seeing different sides of each other's personality come out. And I think that's been like such a fun change, such a fun thing to see. And it really has been bonding. So like this transition, like this life change sometimes like can make or break couples. And it's hard, like that's a hard reality And so I would say if you are in this phase and you're having a really hard time clicking with and connecting to your spouse or significant other, like get help for that. Like sit down and have a really like good conversation about what you guys need to do in order to get back on the same page and feel connected because it, it can be a really big time of disconnection. It can be a time where like seeds of resentment can start because it's like, oh, I do so much for the baby and he just gets to live his life and go to work. Like things like that can really start to take root if you aren't careful. And so I would say like, it's a great time to go to therapy if you're needing help with that or to just really try to talk through it with each other because I mean, it's not the easiest transition to make for us. Getting married did not seem like that much of a transition at all, but having a kid was definitely a transition. So, yeah, I wanted to just hop on part of that as well. Something that we did with the transition was 
we really didn't want to, we wanted to make an effort to still do what we like doing, even though we knew it would be harder. And so we love traveling and we knew traveling with the baby would be harder and we knew there'd be tough times, but we still kind of made a commitment to ourselves and to each other that we were going to still plan trips and we were going to still do the things that we like doing. And it, it, it has been harder. Like you said, travel is just parenting in a different location, uh, basically, which is true, but we've loved our trips and there is the hard parts and the tough things, except those tough things shouldn't stop you from doing the things that you like doing. And those things will still help you connect. It'll help you still build your relationship. I think that if you let uh, those tough things, or the things that you perceive as maybe being too hard, stop you from doing the things that uh, you and your spouse, uh, just speaking for us too, at least, um, traveling, seeing, fa- going, seeing family, friends, um, running races, uh, stuff like that, that we used to do, just planning and making an effort to keep doing those things, I think has really helped us continue to grow and still have memories and do the fun things that we like to do, um, through the tough times. And it's, I feel like the tough times are completely worth it because that stuff has been so beneficial for us. It's the things we look forward to throughout the week and has really helped our relationship continue to grow. Yeah, that's, that is so true. I was telling you yesterday that like, I really don't want to wish away this time in my life. Like I truly believe that this decade in my thirties is going to be my most favorite in my life where our kids are young and we're like young parents figuring it out. And I don't know. I just really think when I'm like 80 years old, I'm going to be reminiscing on the times where our kids were young. And so I think if I get caught up in, Oh man, I can't wait for when my kids are out of the house so that we can like travel or whatever it is that I'm like hoping for or wishing for, I need to kind of, ground myself back into the present and be like, okay, well, when I'm 50, I'm probably going to be like, man, I miss my kids. (laughs) Like (laughs) I miss those family dinners. Why did I stress so much about the mess and the chaos? Like I miss it. Like I just know I'm going to. So I think making sure like Gordon was saying, like finding those things that really help you still feel like you and then making an effort to do them is really important. Yeah, I agree. Being present is huge. And we live in a world where being present is very difficult. We have distractions everywhere. It's kind of impossible to not have those distractions be part of our life. Uh, and a lot of them are just reminding us of the past and reminding us of our, maybe our freedom before having kids or anything, except uh, I think that like remaining present is so important because those times will pass and uh, we won't be able to get them back. And so I just really agree with everything you said. Yeah. Okay, next question. Navigating differences in beliefs or parenting. It's a good one. All right. So this one, I think, is all about trigger points. So 
different things can be trigger points in a relationship. It can be religion. It can be like past trauma. It can be how you approach parenting. It can be so many different things. Hopefully when you were kind of in the dating phase, like before maybe moving in together or, um, you know, committing to a long-term relationship or getting married, you kind of knew what your trigger points in your relationship were going to be if you have pretty big differences in opinion on certain things. And so I think what we get confused about is that like conflict is a bad thing. Like conflict inevitably will happen. But I think if you have like huge conflict where it's just unhealthy for both of you around these trigger points, that's where things can get hard and move you towards like more disconnection than connection, right? And that's what we want to avoid. So what I would say is when it comes to these trigger points, I think what can help is just having open dialogue and discussion and finding some sort of middle ground where maybe it's not, hey, I now believe what you believe, or yeah, that's my view of parenting, but it's more like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I hope you can see that it's for my own benefit or it's for the benefit of our child, and can we kind of agree that we can each move forward with our differing views, but we can support each other in those views. Something really important is always giving your partner the benefit of the doubt and just remembering that they want the best for your kid, just like you do. And you both really want the same endpoint. You just have different ideas of how to get there. And having that idea going into it is going to help resolve conflict, I think, much better than um, going into it wanting to play the blame game or assuming that you're right and they're wrong. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, they're just trying and you're just trying and you just need to figure it out. Uh, and usually that's going to lie somewhere in the middle between uh, kind of your approach and their approach. And a lot of times it just comes down to experience. We were raised in different places, different parents, different styles, and that's just kind of trickled down. And so you just kind of need to give the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion, and and uh, kind of compromise from there. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking of is, and this is something you'll see, uh, we don't have kids quite at the age where this is probably that important, but I've just seen it uh, in different times in my leadership in the military, uh, in the workplace, so many places where you have these differences and unity is so important uh, for like a, a team of parents. And, and so the unity is really important, except when you see something that's maybe a trigger point or something that you disagree with that they're doing, being unified is important, but I think it can wait a lot of the time. And those conversations should happen privately. And uh, 
that way you're not embarrassing somebody or you're not getting into an argument in front of uh, your children if they're at the age where they'd be able to kind of see you butting heads over something and seeing that you're not unified on it. I think the the timing of uh, really giving the benefit of the doubt and also taking into account timing is really important when you uh, are kind of trying to come to compromise and trying to overcome some of the like parenting differences. Yeah, I really love I really love that. And I, I have seen so many couples who have major differences in like whether it's religion or politics, like just thrive in their relationships. It's very, very doable. Um, and I think if you're noticing these trigger points just come up again and again and again and you're struggling like, again, it's a great time to go to therapy and work through these things because that's when it's shifting from a resolvable problem to a recurrent. And if you don't want those seeds of resentment to take root, if you're noticing them, if you're feeling like there's red flags, go. Go to therapy. Find some middle ground with someone helping you. So. Okay, next question is just a statement. So I think um, she would like us to talk about this topic, which is sex. So obviously a very important part of romantic relationships and one that, oh, it's so complex, but I will start by saying this. If you're struggling in your sex life, whether it's due to issues with your partner, body image issues, whatever's going on, um, I think really you have to start with you and your relationship with you and your relationship with how you view sex. So if I'm struggling with my body image, that's on me to figure out. That's on me to figure out what my negative core beliefs are about myself. It's on me to work on healing those because Gordon could help in that healing process, sure, by, you know, compliments or helping me feel loved or um, working on our attachment. But at the end of the day, it's not another person who's going to help you fully heal. That really is on you. And the other thing that's on you is how you view sex, what your relationship is with sex. If you view it as a chore or an obligation, um, then, you know, working on that belief, how can it be something that is for you as well? Something that you enjoy. And of course your partner plays a role in that, right? Like if there are things going on in your relationship that are abusive or unhealthy emotionally, then of course, like that is a tough situation to be in. And I would urge you to seek counseling with your partner um, or see the red flags for what they are. But if your partner is doing their part to have a healthy sex life with you, and you are really in the box towards physical intimacy, then really kind of 
being honest with yourself about what is going on there for you. Are there past beliefs you have from trauma that you are holding on to that you need to heal? Um, Are you postpartum and you are just really struggling with your body and all the changes going on and the pain and like communicating about that with your spouse or partner would be beneficial. Like I feel like a lot of times we can build those conversations up in our head thinking they'll be really uncomfortable. And then once we have them, it's just so relieving and we're on the same page, like really comes down to communication. Yeah, I think communication is what I would say as well is the biggest thing. I've heard KJ say this. I'm kind of stealing some of her wisdom here (laughs) and repackaging it. But uh, I've heard her say to talk about sex before having sex or before being in that situation. And I think that's huge. Uh, men Men and women are just, when it comes to sex, are just different in some ways. Like, for women, it, the sex and the process of, um, you know, wanting to have sex starts sometimes way before um, a oh, couple yeah. is actually having sex. Oh yeah. And for men, we're much more primitive than that, and <laughs> you know, just at any moment, <laughs> just ready to go. So uh, that's just to say that you wouldn't know these things if you don't talk about it. And uh, if you're only going to talk about it, you know, if one person wants to talk about it when you're going to have sex, then you're not really in the headspace to really make these decisions and set uh, boundaries sounds almost too restrictive, but really the boundaries will just improve the relationship, honestly. So just kind of talking about expectations and what you guys like uh, and kind of what helps each of you uh, is something that you should do beforehand and something that you should do um, far prior to that. And I think that's something that will really boost your relationship because, like I said, maybe men are just primitive or, or whatever, except these were just things I didn't know. And it's just because the process for men and women leading up to sex is so different. And so the only way to really perfect that and improve that is to communicate because if you don't uh again it kind of comes back to giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt but you might just be thinking oh they're not getting any of my signals or they're not um doing what i want them to do and then they're just wanting to have sex when they want to have sex but if you haven't clearly communicated these things you the two of you just don't have the same signals and have the same signs and have the maybe the same wants or desires or uh, the, the kinds of um, the kind of different kinds of things there. They're just different. And so I think communication is huge. I so agree. And I, something that you talked about, you know, how it can like days prior can affect, you know, your physical intimacy and that speaks so much to the importance of emotional intimacy. Like if you guys aren't being emotionally intimate, it is very hard to make that leap into being physically intimate. And so what that looks like is, okay, are we connecting on an emotional level by just talking about 
how our day's going or like something that was hard for us today or um I'm telling you that I love you or like I'm thanking you for something that you did for me like there are so many pieces to being emotionally intimate and um if you want to see improvement in your sex life I would say work first on improvement in just the day-to-day connecting emotionally with your spouse and we've talked before this on the podcast about emotional check-ins so that would be a really good episode to go listen to where taylor talks about how she and her husband have had emotional check-ins and she tells you how they do that and it's very good we also have an episode a few back where we interview Chelsea Peterson, who's a licensed therapist who specializes in working with couples. And we talked to her all about sex. And it's a very good episode that I think can give you a lot of good ideas about how to connect emotionally and physically. So, so as promised, I said at the end, there would be something, um, So if you have liked what you've heard us talk about, uh, we have so much more information on this in our relationship resilience course that Jessica and Taylor and I created last year. It was definitely a labor of love and we put so much content into this course. It's the equivalent of like eight premarital or couples counseling sessions, therapy sessions. So we cover emotional labor, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, trigger points, recurrent and resolvable issues, um, attachment, communication, boundary setting. It's all there in this course. And so for those who have listened to this episode, um, if you want more and you need some help in your relationship or are hoping to be in a relationship at some point that is very healthy for you um, and you would like to purchase our course, then I have a coupon code for 20% off. So follow the link in our show notes and enter the code SAVE20 and that will save you 20%. So thanks for listening. Goodbye. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.